Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning physically and you're connecting with us online wherever you're at today. As Pastor John said, we're continuing in our series called Community that we are better together. And the whole design of this series called Community is to encourage you to make a move, if you haven't already, to get into a small group, which we call Hope Groups here, which is basically eight to a dozen people, or to engage in a spiritual friendship, which is a mentoring relationship. Maybe you're going to mentor somebody that's younger in the faith, or maybe you're younger in the faith in Jesus, and somebody older who's been walking with Jesus for more years than you have is going to meet with you regularly and mentor you. The whole idea of this series is that we are better together. If you take the first two letters in the word community, C-O, co, they mean joint. They mean mutual. It means together. And it's critical for us. So today, I do not only want to look at the importance of Christian community, but I really want to emphasize the importance of continuing in Christian community, how critical it is that we meet together regularly. So I want to start out and I want to give you a little pop quiz this morning and see how you do. So here's the first question. What's the average length of a diet typically? Three weeks, seven weeks, five weeks, or four days, right? It's C, five weeks. Actually, they say it's five weeks, two days, and 43 minutes. I don't know how they they get down to like the 43-minute piece. How about this question? Percentage of Americans who use their gym membership, who use their gym membership, A, 53%, B, 17%, C, 67%, or D, 23%. What do you think it is? It's D, 23%. In reality, A, 53% of Americans own a gym membership. But how many use it? 23%. So those of us who don't even own one, we should feel good about ourselves, really. So that's right? They're not using them anyways. How about this one? What's the typical duration of New Year's resolutions? Duration of New Year's resolutions. A, February 1st. B, January 12th. B, February 14th. You know what that day is, right? Valentine's Day. Or D, January 2nd. (laughs) I'm going to start on the first. I'm going to end on the second, right? Yep. It's B, January 12th. Most people who start New Year's resolutions bag them by the 12th. So what does this tell us? It tells us that we're good starters, but we're not really great finishers, are we? We don't really finish strong. In Hebrews 10, 25, in the new portion of the Bible, the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks about not giving up. The Apostle Paul talks about not giving up. Now, giving up in the Greek literally means to abandon or it's desertion in a situation. 
So when persecution or problems or pressure or even a pandemic occurs, there are two options that Christ followers have. One, to grow closer in their relationship with Jesus by meeting with other believers or to go it alone and risk getting further away from their faith and their relationship in Jesus. During this pandemic, I have seen both. I have seen Christ followers who have leaned in and have continued to meet with one another. When it was the stay at home, they all got on Zoom or they got on the phone and they continued to meet together. And then when they were able to meet in person, they figured it out and socially distanced and continue to meet. But there have unfortunately been many who have stopped meeting and who have drifted and who unfortunately are MIA, missing in action in their faith and relationship with Jesus. This is why Paul is challenging the Christians in the book of Hebrews to not give up. But what should they not give up? Meeting together. He says, do not give up meeting together. Christianity is not a faith God intended to be lived out alone. So let's read Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 together from the screen. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, Paul is addressing specifically Jewish Christians who are being persecuted by their fellow Jews and being tempted to come back and to leave their relationship with Jesus and to take on again their old Jewish beliefs and practices. This is what he says before Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 in verses 19 through 23. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and with a full assurance that faith brings." having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Paul is saying, hey, let us hold to what we believe, where we were taken out of so that we don't fall back into it. You see, the Christian Jews were having all this pressure by their Jewish peers to leave Jesus and to take on again the Jewish practices of sacrificing the lamb or the goat for their sin. 
by practicing the reality that you couldn't why relationship with God personally or intimately and be in his presence. Why? Because the Holy of Holies, if you were a Jew, was still intact. But if you were a Christian Jew, it was no longer. Jesus, because of his death, tore the curtain in the Holy of Holies in the temple, which allowed access to God 24-7 for everybody. Typically, the only one that could go into the Holy Holies was the high priest once a year in the presence of God. And Paul's saying, hey, listen, don't let your people drag you back into that belief, into that lifestyle. And we've all been in the room where we've come out of a list of what it is. We have peers that have tried to drag us back into it regardless of what it is. And Paul's saying, listen, hold unswervingly to what you believe and where Jesus has brought you in your life now. And how do you do that? By meeting together continually. Paul is emphasizing this. How did the Jewish Christians not go back there by meeting together by being steadfast in God's word, by having loving accountability in their life. In our lives, there is roughly two kinds of accountability. The first accountability is internal accountability, which is basically being accountable to oneself promising yourself to take some action towards your goal. The second accountability is external accountability. It is accountability to another person or other people. But let me share with you the statistics on both of these realities, okay? So if you're all about internal accountability, hey, I can hold myself accountable. I can get to where I want to go. 92% don't fulfill desires, goals, if they're alone. (laughs) 92% of people, if they're just relying on internal accountability, you know, I promise myself that I'll reach that goal or I'll do that tomorrow. (laughs) 92% don't get there. But, the number gets better. 65% though increase in success if they have an accountability partner. 65% if they just have an accountability partner, someone that they communicate and say, hey, hold me to this, right? But yet there's a greater success rate and it goes up to 95%. If you have a specific appointment with the accountability partner, okay? So it's just not inviting somebody in to say, hey, hold me accountable to stay in what I believe and to practice what I believe. But it's if you meet regularly to talk about it and to hold each other accountable to it, you have a 95% success rate. How critical that is for us not only to apply internal accountability, 
but we have to have external accountability in life. When we have others around us who love us and are going where we want to go, we find our encouragement and our accountability to overcome three areas that want to sabotage our relationship with Jesus and in reality, our life. And the first one is we are able to overcome trials, whether it's loss of work or illness, financial strain, relationship woes, or just daily needs. We are able to overcome those when we regularly meet with others around us. We're able to overcome temptations. Temptations are daily. It's so interesting why when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, that in that short prayer, Jesus added temptations, right? What does he tell us to pray daily? Keep us from temptations, from the evil one. Why? Because it's so daily. But when we have external accountability and when we meet on a regular basis, we are able to overcome temptations. Hebrews 3.13, Paul says, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Do you know what that means? This is what it means. That we end up saying what is wrong is right. That we end up saying what is wrong is now right and living it out. That is being hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And I see it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again as Christ followers drift from meeting together regularly When they give up on that, they succumb to being hardened by sin's deceitfulness and they end up calling what is wrong now right for their life. I see it all the time. All the time. I just, I'm just like, how'd you get there? No accountability. And so Paul's just saying, Don't give up. Why? Because we can overcome trials. We can overcome temptations. And then lastly, we can overcome being torbid. Now, that's not a word we use every day, but it means we overcome being mentally inactive or disengaged in our relationship, in our faith with Jesus. You know, people come every Sunday, And they're here physically, but they're torbid. They're mentally disengaged. I mean, they're thinking of other things or what they got to do later. And sometimes we come and we just hit the time clock. Well, I put in my hour, right? Or we're reading God's word in the morning, like, oh, I just got to get through this daily bread. Cha-ching, cross it off. I did it, right? But we are totally torbid, totally mentally disengaged at all, period, right? But when we have this accountability, it's designed to overcome trials, temptations, and being torbid. And so he's telling the Jewish Christians, 
Do not forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I want to read to you the early church gathering, and I want you to think of these trials, these temptations, or this, this idea of being torbid or whatever, and uh, how they are meeting and how God designed it for us to have those areas held accountable in our lives and to overcome. This is what it says in Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, some key word phrases in here. They devoted themselves, right? They met together in the temple courts, within their homes. And what were the results? It said they were enjoying the favor of all the people. They saw God work through wonders and signs. People's needs were met. And they saw salvation, the results, the fruit of meeting together regularly. Now, fellowship used in this passage is a Christian term for community. When we talk about, oh, we're getting together for fellowship, it's this idea we're getting together specifically for Christian community. We're not getting together just, hey, we're going to watch football, which is great to get together and do recreationally. But there's a difference when we get together for Christian fellowship. It means that we're sharing life together. We're sharing scripture together. We're sacrificing for each other if another has a need. And we're keeping each other safe on our spiritual journey, our faith relationship with Jesus. That's Christian fellowship. That is specific Christian community. Here's another picture of this. In the fall of the year, Linda, a young woman, was traveling along a rutted and rugged highway from Alberta to the Yukon. Linda didn't know you don't travel to Whitehorse alone in a rundown Honda Civic. So she set off where only four-wheel drives usually go. The first evening, she found a room in the mountains near the summit and asked for a 5 a.m. wake-up call so she could get on the road early and start. She couldn't understand, though, why the clerk sort of looked at her oddly when she made that request. But she awoke early in the morning, and she found that the mountain was shrouded in thick fog. Well, not to feel embarrassed, she got up and she went down and had breakfast. There were two truckers there who saw her and invited her to have breakfast with them. Because it was such a small little breakfast area, she felt obligated and she sat down to have breakfast with them. 
And one of them asked her, where are you headed today? And she replied, Whitehorse. And that little civic, the trucker said, no way. This pass is dangerous in weather like this. Well, I'm determined to try. Then one of the, Linda, as she said with great confidence, then one of the truckers said, well, then I guess we'll just have to hug you. Which Linda stood back and said, you're not touching me at all. And both the truckers chuckled. (laughs) Not in that way, sister. Not in that way. We'll put one truck in front of you and we'll put one truck behind you and we'll get over the mountain together. And so all that morning and all that day, Linda followed the two little lights ahead of her on the truck, knowing that there was another big truck behind her to protect her and watch her along the way until all three of them got over the mountains together. But I think there's a lesson here for us as well. Caught in the fog in our dangerous passage in this life, we need as well as individuals to be hugged. With fellow Christians who know the way and can lead safely ahead of us and with others behind, gently encouraging us along so that we too can pass through this life in safety. So how important is it this morning for us to hear from the Apostle Paul in Hebrews to say to us not to give up? Don't give up. But to practice continuing to meet together in community. You know, corporate community like this, together as the church as a whole, is so important. I always tell people, God does something here in our lives that he cannot do if we're just sitting home alone. He can't. It's reality, right? But how critical it is as well that we meet in more of a compact, caring community, a smaller community on a regular basis so that we can hold each other accountable and that we can help one another overcome the trials and the temptations and and the tendency to be torbid in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So let me leave you with this closing question. Do you want to maintain and move forward in being a passionate follower of Jesus Christ? then do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But meet together regularly so that you may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And you have great opportunity to do that next Sunday as we have sign-ups for small groups, our hope groups for spiritual friendships. You have opportunity next Saturday to be trained. New Hope 
let's not give up, but continue to meet in community. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that your word is so clear and so good for us. And we love the percentages. We love that in a lot of our areas of our life. 95% of those who meet regularly with others find success. And Lord Jesus, we want to follow you. And so may we not forsake meeting together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for community and that you built us for it in your holy name. Amen.